working through that I'm going to call common threads. Common threads in identifying some themes that sort of weave through Scripture. And here's how that's going to work, because I'm, I'm going to be using passages that come from the Old Testament, the New Testament, Psalms, Gospels, and pulling that together. And, and it's coming from a resource called the Lectionary. Uh, it's, and if you're not familiar with the lectionary, here's where the lectionary comes from. It is something that came out of Vatican II of the Roman Catholic Church, the common lectionary that they called it at that time, which gave readings for every single week that come from the Old Testament, the New Testament, the Gospels, and the Psalms. And they did that in a way where they could focus on some of those themes that come through Scripture. We're going to do that in a way today that looks at how some of those themes do weave through Scripture in ways that help us understand what Scripture is saying. So, for, for these coming messages, I'm going to take this through the rest of July here. So, for the next three weeks, we're going to be looking at these passages that come from the Revised Common Lectionary, where you get passages for every week of the year, and look for the common threads that weave through that as we see that coming to us, those common threads that we see. I'm giving that as a little bit of a disclaimer to say that there's going to be a lot of passages that I'm reading today. We're, we're going through quite a bit of scripture, but I'm not going to go through it with the kind of detail that we analyze every phrase that's in there. We're simply looking for a common thread that goes through it. Let me start with this passage, and, and this passage sets the tone for the series, right? I, it's not one of the passages from this week's lectionary, but let me set the stage with this from Hebrews. Hebrews 1, the first three verses, this is what the author of Hebrews says. He says, In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways, but in these last days... He has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. We see there a glimpse of how God reveals himself. That God reveals himself in the old times and in the old days. He revealed himself through the words of the prophets. And by the time we get to the New Testament, God reveals himself through the Son, Jesus. And all of those things come to us today in the Word, in the Bible, in Scripture. So we see God revealed in that. Some of the conversations that I occasionally have with people, pastoral conversations, where people perhaps wrestle with tough issues, tough issues of asking questions, questions like, why does God allow certain things to happen the way he does? And what is God trying to say to us through some of the events that take place in our world around us? Questions that maybe lead me to respond with a question. A question that says, well, what do you think God is saying? What do you think God is telling you? Through whatever the issue we might be working through right now might be. Whether it's a family issue or a health issue or, or just division and unrest that we see in our society and in our world around us. 
What is God telling you? What is God telling us through that? The first place to go, I would say, is Scripture. God reveals himself and reveals who he is in Scripture. So what is God saying through his Scripture? This week's lectionary passages give us a little bit of a glimpse, then, in what God says through Scripture. So I'm going to highlight for us three of the four passages that come in this week's lectionary. We're going to look at a passage from Amos in the Old Testament, the prophet. We're going to look at a psalm, and then we're going to look at a story from the Gospels in Luke. All right, so beginning with the Old Testament in Amos, this comes from Amos chapter 8. This is what the prophet Amos says. This is what the sovereign Lord showed me, a basket of ripe fruit. What do you see, Amos? he asked. A basket of ripe fruit, I answered. Then the Lord said to me, The time is ripe for my people Israel. I will spare them no longer. In that day, declares the Sovereign Lord, the the songs in the temple will turn to wailing. Many, many bodies flung everywhere. Silence. Hear this, you who trample the needy and do away with the poor of the land, saying, When will the new moon be over, that we may sell grain and the Sabbath be ended? that we may market wheat, skimping on the measure, boosting the price, cheating with dishonest scales, buying the poor with silver and the needy for a pair of sandals, selling even the sweepings with the wheat. The Lord has sworn by himself, the pride of Jacob, I will never forget anything they have done. Will not the land tremble for this and all who live in it mourn? The whole land will rise like the Nile. It will be stirred up and then sink like the river of Egypt. In that day, declares the sovereign Lord, I will make the sun go down at noon and darken the earth in broad daylight. I will turn your festivals into mourning and your singing into weeping. I will make all of you wear sackcloth and shave your heads. I will make that time like mourning for an only son and the end of it like a bitter day. The days are coming, declares the Sovereign Lord, when I will send a famine through the land. Not a famine of food or a thirst for water, but a famine of hearing the words of the Lord. People will stagger from sea to sea and wander from north to east, searching for the word of the Lord, but they will not find it. Now we're jumping ahead to Psalm 52. Here's what the psalmist writes that captures some of these words of Amos as a response. Why do you boast of evil? 
you mighty hero? Why do you boast all day long? You who are a disgrace in the eyes of God. You who practice deceit. Your tongue plots destruction. It's like a sharpened razor. You love evil rather than good, falsehood rather than speaking truth. You love every harmful word, you deceitful tongue. Surely, God will bring you down to everlasting ruin. He will snatch you up and pluck you from your tent. He will uproot you from the land of the living. The righteous will see and fear and will laugh, saying, Here now is the man who did not make God his stronghold, but trusted in his great wealth and grew strong by destroying others. But I am like an olive tree, flourishing in the house of God. I trust in God's unfailing love forever and ever. For what you have done, I will always praise you in the presence of your faithful people. And I will hope in your name, for your name is good. One more, this time to the New Testament and the Gospel of Luke, where these themes of a common thread come together in this story from Luke chapter 10. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman called Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked him, Lord, Don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken from her. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, three passages, a common thread. Here's what we're doing in this series, that we look at these passages of Scripture, Old Testament, Psalms, New Testament, Gospel, and and pull through that and simply ask the question, the simple question, is there a common thread? thread? Is there a theme or something that shows up in these words that pulls through all of these passages together? What is God saying to his people through this? How can we pick something of that up? I want to establish that as a foundation for us because reading God's word is a good habit for us to be in. And sometimes we do that in in so many different ways. 
Maybe you have a favorite devotional that you read and you connect God's word through the words of a devotional that comes that way. Or, or perhaps you have some kind of a reading plan where you read through a chapter a day or try to get through a book of the Bible and run that kind of thing. I'm using for these series this lectionary piece which skips around and picks a passage here and there, Old Testament, New Testament, Psalms, Gospel. But we do that in a way that simply looks for the common thread to ask the question, what is God saying? What is God saying through his word? Because here's the thing that I see, that when I have those pastoral conversations with people and a tough issue comes up or a struggle or something that we're trying to figure out and I ask the question, what do you think God is telling you? Perhaps the best place to go for an answer would be Scripture, that God speaks through his word. So what is God saying through his word? Let's work some of that out with these passages here today. So I began with this passage that comes from Amos, Amos chapter 8. The background of that passage is this is a time when Israel is being taken into captivity. So they are being besieged by a foreign power and their cities are beginning to fall and be destroyed and people are being carried away into captivity, into exile, and the prophet is speaking on behalf of God that this is coming upon you, at least in the way that Amos phrases it in this passage, coming upon you because of the way that you have mistreated the poor and the needy among you, that you have not been honest in how you've treated other people. And so this is coming for you. But he's also talking in that passage about a time when God's people will no longer be able to hear the word of God. Amos is foretelling a day when the people will no longer be able to hear the word of God that comes to them. And he does that in ways that show that people are looking did you catch that through those words that we read in Amos? That when this calamity comes upon them, that they seek God out. But there is a famine, Amos said. A famine. Not a famine of food and drink, but a famine of God's word. That people would not hear from the word of God. Even though they were looking for it, they were trying to hear what God would have to say to them. So they're searching, searching for God's word, but not finding it anymore. The time was there for them to hear it, and they overlooked it. Jump ahead then to the psalm, Psalm 52. Here is the psalmist's response to when God brings that calamity upon them. And the psalmist recognizes, recognizes that there were those in the world who spoke evil of God. That there were those around who did mistreat the poor. That there were those around who did not give justice to those who were oppressed. And in the psalm then, God speaks of those who cling to a hope. A hope that God's favor would once again return. So they cling to this hope that God would return with his favor and once again restore his favor to them. So even though in Psalm 52, it gives that picture of this is what happened when God fulfilled that prophecy that he gave through Amos that all of God's people were scattered. 
But then the psalmist says, and did you catch that in that psalm? He said, like an olive tree. A tree that's planted and its roots go deep. And I have hope in that. Hope that God will once again return with his voice where his voice had been absent before. And then, and then to the New Testament piece. Now here's where it gets a little bit different in the New Testament. Because here's a story where Jesus comes into the home of Mary and Martha. And in the home of Mary and Martha, as Jesus is teaching there, Martha's preparing the dinner that's there. And and around the dinner, all these preparations are having to be made. But within that, Martha's doing all the work, getting all the dinner together. Mary is just sitting there listening to Jesus. And so what we see in this passage when we connect it with the others, that first God's word was taken in Amos. In the Psalms, they're looking for God's word to return again and hoping for that. And in the Gospels, in Jesus, the word of God is once again restored. The word of God is returned to them. This time in the words of Jesus. Now, in this one, we see a particular response, though. We see the response because the way that Luke tells this story, there's only three people mentioned by name. I know it says that Jesus and his disciples, but only three names come up. Jesus, Martha, and Mary. So let's, let's pull at this thread that comes through these passages and see how that finds itself displayed for us in this passage. So if in the Old Testament, in Amos, God's word went silent because the people had disobeyed. And in the Psalms, we find people who are awaiting and hopeful for God's word to return to them. They wait for that. Then what we see in the gospel is the return of God's word in Jesus. But we see the response of two people to that in the way God's word returns. In Martha and in Mary. Consider that. Consider the response here that comes in both Martha and Mary. Martha, when Martha has the opportunity to open her home to Jesus, she immediately begins preparing this meal that has to take place. And that was a custom piece of hospitality that had to be done. So she's all busy getting ready for the dinner and getting all those things. And she only turns her attention to Jesus when she wants or needs Jesus to do something for her. If you can imagine that. All these preparations that have to be made and she's busy and things are behind and the meal needs to be set out and it's getting late and she sure could use some help in the kitchen doing that, but her sister Mary is nowhere to be seen. Mary is off in the other room just listening to Jesus. So when Martha needs something from Jesus... She goes to him. Now, at this point, it's not that Martha is looking to hear what Jesus has to say. No, it's that Martha is trying to get something out of Jesus. Do you notice that in that passage? Jesus, here's what I want you to do for me. I want you to tell my sister to come and help me in the kitchen because I need some help. 
when it comes time for Martha to have the opportunity to hear from God the word of the Lord spoken through Jesus, Martha's response is, but God, here's what I want you to say. God, here's what I want you to do. God, here's what I think I need from you. So would you just say that or do that or make that happen? Martha, when Martha has the opportunity to approach God revealed, her opportunity is one of trying to manipulate her own agenda, to have things done her own way, to say, God, here's what I need from you. So sometimes when I ask that question in that conversation, so what do you think God is telling us? What do you think God is trying to say to you? Maybe one of those things that maybe first has to check off in our mind is, but wait, am I approaching God with an agenda of my own? If I'm trying to listen to the voice of God, if I'm trying to figure out what is God trying to say to me, what is God trying to tell me, but if the first thing I do is come to God with my own list, my own agenda, my own demands of God, here's what I think I want you to do for me. Here's what I want you to say. If it begins with that, then I'm not going to hear what God is truly saying and revealing. Jesus, in his response to Martha, it's remarkable how pastoral he is in that moment, isn't it? That instead of rebuking Martha and saying, you are out of line. Who do you think you are coming to me and telling me what I should say and do to help you out? Instead, Jesus has this gentle rebuke. Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about so many things. But only one thing is needed. Only one thing. Thing is needed. And it's the thing that Mary chose. It's the thing that Mary did. What did Mary do? Well, in this sense, Mary sits and listens to Jesus. Without some agenda of her own, without coming to Jesus and saying, Jesus, here's what I need from you. Here's what I want you to do for me. Here's what I want the answers to be. Here's what I want to happen next. All Mary does is sits and listens to what Jesus says. That's it. At least that's all we get from the passage here. That's all we're told about it. Martha has, comes to Jesus and wants something. But Jesus says, Mary's chosen the better thing, the right thing, to simply come and listen without the demands, without the expectations, without all of the answers that I want God to give to me, but simply with an open book, a blank page to say, God, tell me what your will is. Reveal yourself to me. Show me through your words who you are so that I can know how to love and follow you better. That's what God's word does for us. God's word reveals who he is. 
tells us who he is in ways that allow us to sit and listen and soak that up so that we can, like Mary, sit at his feet and simply respond, respond to who God is in his love and in his grace. That's a challenge, a challenge sometimes when life gets messy, right? When, when issues become hard. When times where I think we all have to admit this, we have to admit we've got Martha moments in our lives. All right, we can be honest about that, every one of us. We've got moments where we come before God and say, God, I think I've had enough now. I need you to do something for me now. I think I need you to act in the way that I want you to act now. We, we all have that. We all have those moments. But if the only time we ever go to God is in that moment, then how will we hear what he's saying? How will we truly soak up those words of God revealing who he is? If the only time we ever burst into the room like Martha is to say, God, I need your attention right now to deal with this thing right now. If that's the only time we come into the presence of God, how will we hear his word? Unless we, like Mary, can find that time in our lives without an agenda, without something we need, simply to come before God, open his word, read his words to us, and let that soak in. Simply hearing God reveal himself for who he is, his love, his grace, his forgiveness. We catch all of that through his words of Scripture. And when we do that and we find ways to do that on some kind of a habit or regular basis, then when the issues come along, then when those Martha moments happen, we've already spent the time sitting and listening and taking in the word of God. His voice will already be there. And we won't have to be demanding and asking, what is God saying? Where is God showing up? How is God revealing himself in this time and in this situation? Because we will have already done that, have been there, have spent the time to do that. There's no magic about this. You don't need to have the super seminary degree to open a Bible and read God's word. You don't need to have all kinds of time like break away to a monastery and live like a monk or a nun. In fact, we read, we read quite a bit of scripture here today just for this passage, and it was all of five minutes at the front end of this message. It doesn't take a lot. It doesn't. It doesn't take a lot to say, I'm going to carve out just a few minutes out of every part of my day just to read and take in the word of God, simply to hear what he's saying, and that's it. It doesn't take a lot, and anyone can do it. Anyone. It doesn't matter how old or young you are. God's word is there and accessible for every single one of us, and we can hear his voice through that, speaking to us revealing himself to us. So when the questions do come and the issues happen and the trials are there, we will know the voice of God because we will have already heard it. We'll already be spending time there.
we can be those people, people like Mary, who sit at God's feet and take in his word because it gives us life. It gives us direction. It gives us hope. Hope, like the psalmist says, to be like an olive tree, planted, roots running deep, hoping for the word of God to speak to us. Let's pray together. God, thank you for the gift of your word. Thank you that in your word you do reveal yourself to us in ways that help us see you for who you are. Lord, we read through these examples of scripture today all the times and places where your people in the past have faltered and fallen away and made mistakes and the ways that you have brought them back again. Lord, we acknowledge through these stories of Scripture that we are people who at times in our lives feel like we can't hear you either, that your voice is gone. We acknowledge that we all have those moments, like Martha, where we just have a list of demands and that's it. God, help us to be people who simply sit at your feet, hear your word, and let that word refresh us, revive us, restore us, and give us hope that we may be your people in all that we do, all that we say. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.